0: Hello, my wonderful friend. Welcome to Bible study. It's again time to open the Bible and uh, learn a bit more what God has in place for us for today. We are uh, on the book of Psalms and uh, we start to appreciate this book already. We just looked at uh, how to read the Psalms. Uh, Today we are going to learn a bit more how to pray with Psalms or use the Psalms in our prayer. I'd like to say hello to our panel and uh, it's good to have with us today, Jerry. Thank you for joining us.
1: Great to be here, Nick. Hello, Joe.
0: Thank
2: you for joining. Thank you, Nick. Always a pleasure to join the panel.
0: Hey, Brenton. Good to have you with us too.
3: It's nice to be able to share this, Nick. It's going to be a very interesting study.
0: Denise, thank you for uh, joining.
4: Thank you, Nick. I always like being part of the panel and the discussion.
0: And hi, Will. Thank you for being part of the discussion.
5: Hello, Nick. It's a topic that's going to be
0: good for us all. For sure. Ligia, it's good to have you with us too.
6: Yes, thank you. It's very good to study the Bible.
0: Well, I would like to say hello to you. And uh, first of all, thank you for um, preparing this Bible study. You are going to facilitate the discussion today. Welcome to the program.
7: Yes, well, hello, Nick, and hello, listeners. We're glad you've joined us.
0: Actually, I may just remind our listener that uh, they can be part of this program. If they have a question, maybe a comment in regard to what we are uh, studying, why not to contact us and uh, yeah, be part of the program? The number where you can write us a message is zero four eight two zero nine triple eight. Three, Or maybe just tell us where you are listening from We'll be very lovely to say hello to you Keep this number safe Because we'll come a little bit later with the offer Which we have for today All right, Len, over to you
7: Listeners, why not contact us? You're listening And if you would like to ask some questions As Nick has already said It's not very hard And nobody's going to charge you or bite you Anyhow, let's begin. You know, prayer is always an essential ingredient of the Christian life. We need to maintain contact with our God through prayer. But sometimes we run out of new things to share with God. This is where praying the Psalms comes in. The authors of the Psalms have experienced and written about their experiences, which parallel our own life experiences. Where we don't have words to express our thoughts to God, by using what already exists in the Psalms, enables us to give utterance to our own feelings and emotions. And it's not improper to pray anything apart from your own free thoughts, because Jesus himself in praying... Quoted from the Psalms, at least in Psalm 27, verse 46, and one of the most well-known prayers of Jesus, when he was hanging on the cross, he said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Verbatim, from Psalm 27. Well, today we're going to look at some of those prayers recorded in the Psalms, and we hope you can resonate with with them in your own life experience and here's a little challenge why not make it your daily practice to read at least one chapter of the psalms each day it'll do you good and provide something to think about during the day well with that before we begin the panel discussion It would be very appropriate if we began with prayer. So, Will, would you lead us in prayer, please? Certainly. Lord,
5: as we focus on the experiences in the Psalms, I would like to pray the words of a psalm, Psalm 1914, for us all today. Let the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart, be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my
7: Redeemer. Amen. 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 Thank you, Will. Well, to begin with, Denise, I want to uh, present a question to you. If you wouldn't mind reading Psalms 105, verses 4 and 5, there's some advice there. And my question is, why is this good advice?
4: All right, Len. Um, Psalms 105, verses 4 and 5. Verse 4 says... Look to the Lord and his strength, seek his face always. Remember the wonders he has done, his miracles and the judgments he pronounced. Now, it's good advice because if we trust God, he blesses us. And there are action words in this psalm. Uh, One of the verses starts off with give thanks, then sing. And these two start off with look, look to the Lord and seek his face and remember. So we have three action words. So if we seek God, he offers us strength on a daily basis. If we trust him, he blesses us. And we need the strength that God provides each day, and he asks us to trust him.
7: Yes, and there's a point there that we need to also take notice of, is to remember the wonders or the things that God has done, because Mm -hmm. then we realise what sort of God he is as we think back in our minds. But we
4: also realise how easy it is for us to forget what he has done, and to, I guess, in some ways, take him for granted.
7: All right. Well, in James chapter five and verse thirteen, the apostle James admonishes Christians to sing. But why sing, Jerry?
1: Yes, uh, Len. The verse says, "Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms." Now, just like the hymns that we sing in church from our hymnal, the psalms. They're actually prayers set to music. Through these prayers in song, we can express our gratitude and praise to God for everything he has done and continues to do for us as the psalmist did. And I think of a beautiful verse in Zephaniah that reminds me that our voices were given to us, not just to speak, but to sing praises to God. In Zephaniah chapter three, verse 17, it says, the Lord your God in your midst, the mighty one will save. He will rejoice over you with great gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. What a magnificent thought that is, that the God who gave us a voice himself will rejoice over us with singing. So in the meantime, it's a good thing to be conscious of God's blessings, as Denise has just said, to remind ourselves daily just how good God is and if you if you're in that sort of uh, mode, then you can it's easy to sing, isn't it to sing god's praises
7: Yes, the verse actually says in uh, the version of the Bible I have, is any one of you in trouble? He should pray Is anyone yes. happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Yeah. It'd be good if we put that into practice and um, my wife quite often walks down to the golf course. I think most of you know I play golf during the week and quite often she walks to the golf course and then she tells me the songs that she's been singing. Walking alone along the the trails, along the creek, she sings and um, I think it's good for her and it's good for all of us if we do that.
1: Sometimes you can be in a situation where you are overcome almost by the beauty of God's creation and that alone will launch you into song, as it were. I've had that happen to me, where I'm walking along in a beautiful setting and and you just become aware of the majesty of God in his creation and that makes you happy. And I've, I've caught myself suddenly singing. Yes. You know, praising God. It's
7: interesting this verse says, if anyone is in trouble, he or she should pray. The thing is, yeah. when you're in trouble and you're feeling down in the dumps, you don't feel like singing much. At least I don't. Mm. But when you are happy, you, f- you feel like singing. So, Ledger, are you happy? And if you are, what does James say about Christian happiness?
6: In James five thirteen, it says, "Is any one of you in trouble? He should pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Is anyone one of you sick?" Uh, Either if you are happy or sad, is to bring praise to God and cling to God and have hope in God, whatever the situation.
7: Yes, the point is, whatever situation we find ourselves in and whatever emotions we're going through, if we reach out to God, that's a very good thing. Now, Brenton, We're going to have a look at Psalm 44. This psalm, of course, is a lament. So this is not the happiness side of things. This is the unhappiness, uh, and we all go through that. And in Psalm 44, the writer points out that in past times, God was behind the miracles, successes, and victories of their forefathers. However, the lament of this psalm, holds God responsible for the present disasters of the nations of the nation of Israel. Would you like to read Psalm forty four some selected verses? And then I would like you to answer this question and this is a question I think many of our listeners have probably thought about is it okay to blame God for the bad things that come our way?
3: Uh, Certainly, Len, I will read um, the verses that you've mentioned, which, for those who are listening, from Psalm 44, it's verse 8, verse 9, verse 13, verse 19 and verse 22. I'll start at verse 8. In God we boast all day long and praise your name forever, but you have cast us off and put us to shame, and you do not go out with our armies. You make us a reproach to our neighbours, a scorn and a derision to those all around us. In verse 19, but you have severely broken us in the place of jackals and covered us with the shadow of death. Verse 22, yet for your sake, we are killed all day long. We are counter sheep for the slaughter. Len, you've given me a very difficult question <laughs> to answer. My answer would be a qualified yes, in the sense of not necessarily blaming God, but if questioning God. I think there is adequate evidence that in the Bible, not only of Job, and I was thinking and reading this morning of Job 13, also Job 23, where he says, let me just present my case before God and let him listen to me for a change. I haven't even had a chance to put my point of view Also Jonah, Jonah got really mad when God didn't destroy Nineveh and he really really got very angry and God said to him, do you have a right to be angry? And he said, yes, I do. And I think what I could say in summarising this, I think questioning God is not necessarily the same as blaming him, but by the same token, because God has perfect knowledge and we don't, it makes it very, very difficult to understand circumstances. One of the good things about Jonah is that God didn't say to him, why don't you be quiet? You don't know anything. He didn't say that to, to, um, Job either, although he did take Job on a guided tour of the cosmos and a guided tour of this world and just pointed out to him, where were you when I made all these things? I think part of, part of the, the answer to this is, Blaming God is probably wrong, but questioning God and asking uh, for more guidance is part of our growing experience land we we could uh, God could say do this and we could do it without any any reason or um without any um thinking it through. God wants us to use the talents that he's given us he wants us to use our reasoning abilities i think. In questioning and what I find in reading scripture is that those who question God, they didn't always come up with answers, but they still held their faith. And I think it helps to develop us as Christians by questioning God and asking for answers. Sometimes he gives them straight away and sometimes they take a bit longer. But I think um it's part of the, the process of growing and becoming more mature as Christians.
7: I had somebody say to me once, because of all the sin and trouble in the world. Yes. And the devil was identified as the one who's responsible for doing that. And then this person said, well, the devil was a created angel. Therefore, God is ultimately responsible. Well, I think that's going a little bit too far, blaming God. Yes. For all the evil that came in the world Because he created Lucifer the angel However I think God is big enough Even if we do blame him And I agree with you I don't think it's wise to blame God But we can no. share our Share our concerns And problems with God But God's big enough To handle that Even if we do reach a stage Where we blame him
3: Also Len I think God is not condescending. He's not condescending to Jonah when you read the story, or condescending to Job, and I don't think He's condescending to us. He listens like a wise father, but he he basically gently tells us, "You don't know everything. Just trust me." Yes, Nick.
0: Yeah, Len. As you said, that God is big enough to receive not only Christians, but in particularly we are uh, we as Christians, but I heard about others too. When they talk about God, when you talk and mentioning God, you want to look good. You know, you you are a good person. But actually, in daily life, you came to some situations that you said things or you do things that doesn't necessarily reflect, you know, uh, your position, even as a Christian. And that's what I'm saying. Uh, what what you said before. Let's be honest. We brought before God. Many times, things which we shouldn't in a way, in that way, but that's who we are in this sinful nature, humans, and we are called to come to God and ask God to be our uh, support. When I was
7: about 12 years old, I prayed to the Lord that um, He would allow me to take the tractor to heaven. We had a tractor on the farm that I used to drive, and I prayed that I could take the tractor to heaven. Well, now I'm a little bit older. I think that was probably a fairly presumptuous prayer, but God didn't uh, cast me off simply because i put something to him which was ridiculous, really. Well, going on, in Psalm 44, verse 26, the final verse is an appeal for God to rectify the people's misery why
2: well it's just um i think the verse the actual psalm 44 is really good reading because it starts off with how god was mighty mighty on their behalf and he did wonderful things for them they didn't need to str- to trust their bow or their sword to save them god saved them from their enemies But things have changed now, and it's not because, you know, it says in verse 17, all this has happened to us even though we have not forgotten you. You allowed us to be slaughtered like sheep and scattered, you know, us in foreign countries. And then, of course, verse 22, but it is on your account that we are being killed all the time, that we are treated like sheep to be slaughtered. And the verses that you refer right at the end there, and it says, The last two verses, we are brought down to the dust. Our bodies cling to the ground and they call upon God, rise up and help us, rescue us because of your unfailing love. Now, despite the grim situation, they knew that their God was a great God and was able to deal with it. Verse 26 is a verse of hope, courage and faith. They are reminded of uh, they re- actually reminded God of how he had acted on their behalf in the past and call upon his goodness to do so again. Now, having said that, we do not understand the circumstances, but the impression is that we get is that that the righteous, it is the righteous who are calling upon God to save them, as I've already read it. Now, Many may not realize, but this text is actually quoted by Paul in Romans 8 to describe what the early Christians were experiencing at the hands of their persecutors. And I might be digressing a little bit here, but in Romans 8, he calls together the people of Christ and he says, who, don't be discouraged by what you see, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine? As it is written, We are, for your sake, we are, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us for I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God. Sorry, from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So no matter how bad it looks, the psalmist and Paul can say that even though our faces are in the dust, and we are torn apart by animals, and interestingly, this was the fate of many a Christian who would not deny Christ, we are more than conquerors. Why? Because nothing can snatch us away from those or from those who cling to God. So can you imagine the comfort that the Roman Christians received from reading Psalms 44? the shock and horror of what was happening and then Paul's reassuring words that link Old Testament to New Testament that they were more than conquerors with Christ and I draw this in because it is as relevant for today as it was in the Old Testament and New Testament so when we are feeling you know that our backs are against the walls that perhaps we are flailing in the dust face down We can call upon God and, and say, rise up and help us, rescue us because of your unfailing love. We can pray this prayer as well with faith and we can be sure that he hears.
7: Thank you, Joe. I think we're dealing with a question that many people have issues with. Jerry, what would you like to say?
1: Yes, Lynn, I, I sort of struggle with this a bit too because, um, Maybe if I could read a few verses from the clear word paraphrase. It says there from verse 9, But now it seems that you have rejected us and allowed defeat. You no longer go out with our armies to give us victory. We've retreated before our enemies. They overran our camps and plundered our goods. We've allowed our men to be killed like sheep and scattered us among the nations. We were sold for a pittance and you have gained nothing. And if... We were as if we were worthless. We were disgraced before our neighbors and they mock and scorn us. Surrounding nations consider us a joke and they shake their heads and laugh. So the Psalm starts with an acknowledgement of God's, God's uh, goodness and protection and how he drove the other nations out and, uh, and so forth out of the land. And here suddenly it's the reversal. It's almost as though God doesn't Listen and he's wondering, Why is that? We have been faithful to your covenant, we haven't departed from you. Uh it seems that we have done everything okay. And as Joe said, it finishes with a with an appeal, please arise and come to our rescue, because of your great love. Save us. Now I asked the question, how do you reconcile that with the promises of God's protection that you find in the other Psalms, many other Psalms? For instance, Psalm thirty four, where it says, um that the Lord saves him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him and delivers them. Now, we might face certain situations like that in our own lives. People might ask, okay, what happened to God's promise of protection when such and such happened? Especially in, in a critical situation where, you know, a child gets sick and dies. You plead with God, Lord, intervene. You, you know, to the best of your ability, you're doing everything right. I struggle with these things a bit myself. And I know ultimately, ultimately that um, God will save us. But in the meantime, it's a challenge, isn't it? I, maybe some other panel members can help me with that. Psalm
3: 44 is based upon uh, Samuel chapter 8, the, the suggestion, where David is fighting uh, with foes on every side. And even though the psalm isn't written by David, it's written by I think the sons of Korah. Verse fourteen says, "This land he also put garrisons in Edom throughout all Edom. He put garrisons, and all the Edomites became David's servants." And the last sentence is the correct, uh, the uh, finalising one. And the Lord preserved David wherever he went. Uh, when you study the history of David, he never suffered a defeat in battle. So I can. Uh, I can sympathize with Jerry. You don't always get an answer. But I think here, um, as Joe said earlier on, right at the end of it, you recognize that even though you're going through times where you actually can't see anything sometimes, it seems as though the future is just not there. It's times like that that you have to cling to the promises of God. And uh, it says here that uh, God was with David wherever he went. Uh, which would mean through the difficult times as well as the good ones.
7: Thank you. I guess many people think, well, what's going on with God? I pray. I Yes. I do my best. I don't commit uh, bad sins and things. Sometimes I feel I'm blessed. Other times I feel like I'm cursed. Does that mean God
0: is fickle, Nick? Not at all, Len. Maybe we are, but not God. Uh-huh. Um just before I'm reading a passage in the Bible, I'd like to add this to the discussion we we have here. Why in the Psalms were such passages, you know, uh, to, to question God in that way? Let's just remember this, that today we are talking about um, teach us to pray. You know, the disciples, I believe, they used to pray before even Jesus came on uh, on this earth. But they asked Jesus, teach us how to pray. Maybe we pray sometime in the way that is not necessarily how we should pray. Even more, in these days, people are stopping praying, saying, what to bother? God is not uh, answering any how. In Isaiah, for example, people of God used to, you know, challenge God Says, Oh, what's the point to bring us, ourselves, to bring offerings to you, to pray because you are not listening? You are not hearing us. You see, maybe we don't know how to pray. Maybe we pray only in our own way, you know, like selfish way. We need to learn how to pray and how to allow God to work in our life, His plan. For that reason, I'm saying that let's not uh, put the blame on God. Let's look at ourselves first. And uh, God, it's the same. Let's let's read the passage in the Bible uh, for a for a change. Here in Hebrew, we can read this uh, in uh, chapter thirteen and verse eight. And this it's uh, in other parts of the Bible actually, but it says here that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever i mean god is the same yesterday today and forever it doesn't change he's not giving up on us we are walking astray we are uh, changing our attitude we think that we are smarter than god many times and that's why probably this happens len and uh, panel and let's uh, let's learn and ask god to teach us how to pray, even through Psalms.
7: I could imagine there are many people who are experiencing natural disasters, flooding, that's recently happened, who are asking these very questions we're talking about. Brenton, then Joe.
3: Yeah, just quickly, Len, a personal testimony here, I guess. In my own prayer life, I am now beginning my prayers each day with prayers of praise, thanking God before i even get on to the, any of the issues that are troubling me or bothering me when you do that in actual fact it it psychologically it makes quite a deal of difference when you praise god first before you start on the things that are bothering you you suddenly it it seems as though it it lightens the load that you were bearing and uh, i think if we were to adopt this when when we're even in the, the deepest of troughs If we were to start by praising God for what He has done for us, I think it it doesn't necessarily give us all the answers, but what it does is it I think it changes our attitude and helps us
7: to see that God is still with us. Yes, fair enough, Joe.
2: Just a there's a couple of uh, companion texts to that that Nick may have referred to. One of them comes from Numbers twenty three. Verse nineteen says, He is not human, so he does not change his mind. Has he ever spoken and failed to act? Has he ever promised and not carried it through? And that comes from the New Living Translation. And Malachi, chapter three, for I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, ye sons mm-hmm. of Jacob are not consumed. So and these are just a couple more. There are others where it sh- tells us that God is not fickle. He is steadfast. He keeps, it doesn't change. He doesn't change his mind, his mood. He is always the same and reliable.
7: So, that being the yeah. case, then, why does God get the praise for the good things and the blame for the bad things?
5: You know, Len, the uh, age old philosophical question directed by unbelievers to Christians is presented in the following statement Good God bad world? Why? And yet we have the answer in that very question. Good God, bad world. Why is the world bad? God is just. He doesn't make mistakes. The issue revolves around why the world chooses to be bad. We need to factor in the enemy of good, that's Satan, and the people's obedience and disobedience, and their attitudes. God blesses the obedient and refrains from blessing the disobedient in order to encourage them to turn to be saved. All right.
7: Well, in Psalm 44, the first part highlights the troubles the people experience, and that parallels to our own experience. What assurance for us is there in the Word of God, Denise?
4: Well, I'm going to look at two two texts. One's in John chapter 6, verse 37, and it says this, All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. So the Father gives me the people. So this is God's actions in our lives. God draws us. He makes the first move to draw us to him, to show us what he's like. And then he waits for our response. So our job is to respond to that and then... If we respond in a positive way, he offers us mercy, he offers us forgiveness for our sins, he offers us salvation, he offers us strength, which is ongoing if we choose to pray to him. Now there's also John 3.17. John 3.17 says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So, He's not about condemnation. He's about saving, uplifting us, wanting us to trust him because he isn't fickle, he's constant, and his promises can be trusted.
7: And listeners, I believe Denise has just put her finger on a very important issue, that God is not about harming us. God wants us to accept him and be saved. He wants to prosper us. And so even though you might experience trouble, and I'm very conscious of these natural disasters that have occurred here in Australia recently, God is still on your side. Jury, Psalm 44 was a lament for the nation of Israel. But Psalm 22, that's half 44, of course, is a lament of the king of Israel. This is also a prayer, but it's prophetic. So could you share something of this to explain what we're talking about?
1: Yes, I'll read the first six verses of Psalm 22. And again, I'm I'm using the paraphrase, uh, the clear word. It says there, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far away? Haven't you heard my groaning? Oh my God, I cry out by day, but you don't answer. And I cry at night, but get no response. Yet I know that you are the Holy One. You are the one whom Israel praises. Our fathers put their trust in you. They trusted and you delivered them. They cried out to you and were saved. Whenever they trusted in you, they were not disappointed. But something is wrong. I don't even feel like a human being anymore, but like a worm. I am scorned by those who meet me and despised by my own people. Now, typically David, when he writes under inspiration of God, as as we know that this uh, portion of Scripture is, he, he always uses very colourful and descriptive language to express himself, doesn't he? But uh, these particular verses, especially uh, verse 1, is what Jesus used verbatim when he hung on the cross. And in Jesus' case, much of this psalm was literally fulfilled, if you look at verse 1 and verses 6 to 8 and 14 to 16. Interesting, too, then, that in John chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. I get from that that the reason I say that is because all throughout his life, his young life, uh, for the 33 years that he was alive, Jesus was one with the Father. There was not a moment in time where he didn't have that connection. And his connection, like no other, was all the time. And yet here it says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Mm. When Jesus hung on the cross, there was uh, a few hours where, to him, it seemed that God had forsaken him. And that must have been a horrible experience for Jesus because it he'd never, it never been in that situation before. It was just black. And, of course, we know the reason why. Jesus became sin for us. He carried the sins of the whole world upon his shoulders. And that connection, if you like, appeared to be temporarily uh, broken. But um, it's interesting, too, how Jesus, or the, or the Bible says, and Jesus says, I will never leave you or forsake you. Mm. You could ask the question, did God forsake him? Did God actually forsake him? Or was he there? I I believe God the Father was there, but Jesus felt, momentarily at least, that God had forsaken him. And
7: that's probably how we feel sometimes too, eh?
1: Yeah. it's In that sense, this section of the psalm is very prophetic because obviously it applied in a literal sense to Jesus and the abuse that he suffered.
7: Yes, if you read um, through this psalm, um, you'll see some of the prophecies uh, with regard to Jesus, how he's, they divided his clothes and cast lots, but he was pierced through the hands and the feet and so on. Well, near the end of the psalm, uh, that's chapter 20, Psalm 22, instead of lament, the, the prayer turns to praise. So, Brendan, would you read that, and perhaps you would make a short comment about whether you felt similar.
3: Mm, Certainly. Verse 23 and verse 24 then say this, You who fear the Lord, praise him. All descendants of Jacob glorify him, and fear all you offspring of Israel. For he has not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, nor has he hidden his face from him. But when he cried to him, he heard. Now, I'm tying that in then with verse 21, the last part, where it says, you have answered me. So verse 23 and 24, I believe, are a response to acknowledgement in the last part of verse 21 that you have answered me. Have I felt that way in my life? Yes, on a number of occasions, both in my personal life and also in ministry, I have faced situations where I haven't known which way to turn, and I'm sure there's probably a few more ahead of me as well. It's times like that, Len, that you really need one thing. You need to remember very, very clearly the times God has answered your prayers and the way in which he has answered your prayers. They're, they are sometimes the only things that you have to cling on to until God sees fit to answer your current situation.
7: Thank you, Brenton. You know, panel, I could imagine we have many listeners who are identifying with the things we're talking about, and we don't want this Bible study to just be a Bible study. We want it to be meaningful. And so my question is, is there any of you on the panel who, like Jesus on the cross, felt abandoned by God but later realised that God was with you Yes, Denise
4: Well, a few years ago um, This is about a health experience um, My husband contracted cancer And he, uh, that was a very uh, difficult time for us And it was a very serious cancer Very aggressive cancer And from the time he was diagnosed Till the time he died it was 11 months so it was very quick. And when I was going through that time, I felt devastated at first and I felt that, you know, where was God in all this? There were people saying to me, well, if you pray to God, he can he can heal him. And I that was very difficult for me because I thought, yes, he could, but his answer might be no. And what am I going to do then? How am I going to deal with that? So during that time, I felt that I needed to uh, trust God even more than I ever had before because it was a day-by-day experience. So every day that I woke up, I asked God to help me cope with the fact that I knew my husband was going to die and I would have to keep on living I would have to pay the bills. I would have to cope. I would have to, I had my work. And when I look back now through that time, I realized that God did not abandon me in any way, shape or form. He gave me strength every day to deal with the situation. He gave me the ability to want to know what was going on, to help me to realize what my role was. Uh, and that helped me to realise that God in no way abandoned me, even though at times I may have felt like that.
7: And That's probably how many of us feel. That Where are you, God? Have you forgotten all about me? Will, you had something to share.
5: I think I can identify with uh, Denise uh, about the pain of loss. I've never spoken about this before, But perhaps someone listening might rediscover their trust in God. My wife Marge and I prayed and prayed and prayed for the life of our only son, Wayne. You know, deep into the night and the early hours of the morning, we anguished and pled with the Lord for his restoration. But we finally stood by his hospital bed and switched off his life support system. You know, our hearts at that moment told us that we were left alone by God, high and dry, yet our minds told us to look at how he had sustained us through the years. Shall we not accept both the good and the bad in our lives? Might there be an eternal purpose in it all? So I wrestled for a while. I pondered my worth before God. And I think every listener and every panel member gets to a stage where they they ponder their worth before an almighty God. And a text came to me from the Psalms. Psalm 8. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man, that, that includes me, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? What is my worth, my self-worth? You know, there's a hymn that says, I'm not worthy the least of his favours, but Jesus left heaven for me. Then to accompany the question in the psalm, we found comfort in the words of a beautiful hymn at that time. It's that hymn, It is well, it is well with our soul, with my soul. And I'll share the lines with you that meant most to us. Though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and hath shed his own blood for my soul. God knows about our helplessness. God knows about our difficulty. And boy, has he interceded in a wonderful, wonderful way.
7: Thank you for both of those um, personal stories. And I guess many of you can relate to these stories. And the next question I want to put to Joe is what makes the difference in your life and in the lives of others to deal with these terrible situations that sometimes we must face?
2: Thanks, Lynn. I will read Psalm 13. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. This psalm, like many, ends on a very hopeful, faith fortifying note. Save us because of your unfailing love in verse, in chapter 44, Psalm 44 and rejoices at the anticipated answer to prayer. There is a sense of jubilation at the prospect of deliverance, and this encourages us, or me in particular, that when looking at a situation, now whether I had got myself into it or due to some other factor, that I do not allow myself to be consumed by anxiety, fear, and depression, but look to God's unfailing love and power as it is displayed in his word. I need to meet fear with courage, faith, and praise. Now, you might ask, why praise? Some might think it's because God needs buttering up. No, in praise, as Brenton alluded to, we will remember how God has been good to me or to us in the past. And this also will inspire more trust, hope, and faith in his promises.
7: Thank you, Joe. You know the experiences that Joe's talking about well if we read in the Bible of the experience of the three worthies in the time when Nebuchadnezzar was the king of Babylon he wanted everyone to bow down and worship they wouldn't they were in danger of losing their lives however they put their trust in the Lord and came out victorious well was there anybody else recorded in the Bible who whose life fell apart and yet trusted the Lord. I think what comes to mind uh, Len
5: is job and uh, terrible terrible experiences and loss that he went through. but I love his testimony in job uh, in job 13 where he says, though he slay me, yet will I serve him even so I will defend my own ways before him. So if there was ever a man who could point an accusing finger to God, it was Job. His losing streak finally came to an end when the Lord poured out blessing upon blessing as a reward for his faithfulness. And
7: he's a good example for us. Now we're going to quickly turn to Psalm 60. It's another lament, and it ends in an appeal to God. Nick, would you just share a little bit from Psalm 60? Because this psalm will also resonate with many of our listeners.
0: Sure, Len. As we mentioned uh, quite a few times now in regard to the Psalms, and um, I believe uh, we are going to be surprised from now on as we study the book of Psalms with some of the insights Coming out from this wonderful book, but I would like to just um, look at uh, this uh, passage in um, Psalm sixty, as you said, uh, Len, and let's let's have a little bit of different uh, approach here. It says here, "You have rejected us, O God, and broken our defence. You've been angry with us. Now restore us to your." Favor. You have shaken our land and split it open. Seal the cracks for the land trembles. Do you see the approach here? It's not that uh, the author of this this psalm, it's blaming God or it's, you know, upset with God, but recognizing their mistakes or their falling away. And it's pleading with God. And keep in mind again that we are looking in the Book of Psalms and asking this question today to be taught how to pray with the Psalms. I believe this is a very important aspect. Let me just remind you: if you turn in uh, in Second uh, Chronicles, chapter seven. And verse 14, that's wonderful verse. I believe you may know it even by heart. It says here, then if my people who are, are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their Land, I think we are used to um, this day to say, but hey, God, I'm a good person. I haven't done too bad. You know what? Let's remember that again, that we are sinful people. And in every step of our way, we displease God. We do things which we shouldn't do. And we are invited to really come to God. In, in the Psalm 60, if we look verse 11 and 12, it says again, Oh, please help us against our enemies, for all human help is useless. With God's help, we will do mightily things, for he will trample down our foes. Now, who's our enemy today? We may not have like in those days people coming at the border you know to take the land take the food whatever it is but we have an enemy 24/7 and that enemy it's crying out like a lion you know to devour us why not to come before god like the psalmists like in the book of chronicles or if you like in isaiah if you want to read more uh, in isaiah Uh, I will recommend uh, Isaiah 51, verses 17 and uh, 22, or Jeremiah 25. Visit some of these passages in the Bible, and I believe we'll be very blessed. My dear friend listening today, I would like to encourage you also to pay even more attention to the book of Psalms, but also would like to offer you a book. We have a a wonderful book for you to, to take today. It's our free offer and that's entitled What the Bible Says About. Let's learn in depth what the Bible says about uh, certain aspects and like the book of Psalms. Now to have this book in your hands, you just need to send us a text message and the code S-A-B-S-3. SA stands for South Australia, BS for Bible study at number three there, and will be all good for our um, uh, computer to take you through. Remember, S-A-B-S-3. Don't leave any space in between those things. And uh, the phone number, it's 048209383. This is a wonderful book with uh, over 30 Uh, Studies and uh, will teach us also how to find easy topics in the Bible. Don't hesitate to ask for that free offer. Len, I believe, as you just said earlier, um, in terms of laments and uh, how people are approaching God, I think we need to revisit, looking through the book of Psalms for a number of weeks now, revisit our approach, our attitude towards God, and learn more how to praise his name and how to thank him that he will take us through any situation.
7: Thank you. Well, the Psalms of Lament can seem a bit depressing. (laughs) Uh, Do they have any uh, benefit for us? Lydia?
6: We observed by now that... um... Psalms of Lament are generally understood as prayers of people living through trying times, whether physical, psychological or spiritual. But these Psalms of Lament can be beneficial to worshippers who are not in distress also. First, uh, they can make us more aware that suffering is part of the general human experience and that it happens to both the righteous and the wicked. The Psalms assure us that God is in control and provides strength and solutions in times of troubles. Even amid the trouble, which is said in Psalm 60 verse 2, you have made the earth tremble. The Psalmist displays his ultimate hope in God's deliverance. And second, the lament Psalms teach us compassion towards the sufferers. When expressing our happiness and gratitude to God, especially in public, we must be mindful of the less fortunate. Sure, we might have things good right now, but who doesn't know of people all around us who are suffering terribly? Praying such psalms can help us not forget those who are going through tough times. That psalms should evoke in us compassion and a desire to minister to the sufferings as Jesus did.
7: Thank you. That's a very good conclusion for this study today. I just want to remind you of one text that we've read. Is any one of you in trouble? He should pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. So, if you're in trouble pray. God has not forgotten you. God cares for you. He wants the best for you. In some cases you may have to wait for answers. We don't know the mind of God because he's far above us, but we should still pray when we're in trouble and sing and praise him when things are going well. Denise, would you close this study for us today?
4: It would be my pleasure. Let's pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a great God, that you are all-powerful, that you are not fickle. You are constant. Your promises can be relied upon. You love us. You have great concern for each one of us. You know that we are helpless. You know that we cannot save ourselves, even though oftentimes we think we can. But you offer us everything that we need spiritually and to cope with uh, the world in which we live, And we pray today that you will increase our faith, that give us the belief that we need to trust you each day, to pray to you, to ask you to guide in our lives, to give us the strength to cope with whatever we are experiencing and to know that we can trust you every moment of every day. We thank you this. We thank you for Jesus and what He, the immeasurable things that he has done for us. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Amen. Amen. Well, thank you everyone for your participation today and thank you for sharing from your personal uh, story and uh, may God bless you all uh, as you continue to learn from the book of Psalms. My dear friend listening today, would love to hear from you. You may have a comment in regard to the Psalms or a question. Uh, don't hesitate to contact us. I mean, you can send us a text message to zero four. 8209383. 3 Please let us know. You may have a, a story to share too. Please send us a text message. On the same phone number, you can request our offer for today. It's a book called What the Bible Says About. And the code, it's S-A-B-S-3. SA stands for South Australia, BS for Bible study, and number three. May God richly bless you and uh, have a wonderful, safe walk in the footsteps of Jesus.